Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. There are so many moms out there who have these rules about starting mm-hmm. solids that are really not based in anything scientific. <laughs> you know, right. there are a lot of baby-led weaning rules that are like, well, you can never let a puree pass your child's lips. If you do that, then it's not baby-led weaning and you have to just like go back to breast milk or formula and start all over. That is not true. Welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I am fangirling a little bit because I am welcoming my most favorite author of the only cookbooks I own, which says a lot because I don't own many cookbooks, but she's the only one that I purchase cookbooks from. Her name is Jenna Helwig. She is a author, mom, as well as food director at Real Simple Magazine. And we are talking about how to simplify and enjoy baby-led feeding or baby-led weaning. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jenna. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. So like I said, I discovered you when I was searching for books, when I was doing baby led weaning for my son, Ryan, when he was six months, seven months old, and I found your book, Baby Led Feeding, and I loved it. It's actually, I think, one of your best-selling books. And then recently, you came out with a new book called Bare Minimum Dinners, which I also love, and it's great because it also has stuff for the whole family. It's amazing. So tell me more about yourself, what you do, and what brought you to write all these books, because they're phenomenal. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear that, especially with baby-led feeding. It really just makes my day, my week, my year when I hear that people found that book useful. So thank you. As you said, I'm the mom of one. And when my child was a baby, I really got into making baby food. And this was pre-baby-led weaning. Like I didn't even, I'd never even heard of it before. But I, so I was making purees and really doing the kind of like homemade baby food thing. Not that I feel like everyone needs to, we can talk about that after, but that was just my jam. Um, And I was not in the food world at all at that point, but that's what really got me into cooking. And fast forward a few years, I went to culinary school (laughs) and I became the food editor at Parents Magazine. And this is really all because of baby food. I'm not joking. Amazing. So I was the food editor at Parents Magazine for eight years, and I wrote the cookbook Real Baby Food, Smoothie-licious, and Baby-Led Feeding, and the Multi-Cooker Baby Food Cookbook. I'm all in on this. And then a couple of years ago, I became the food director at Real Simple Magazine. And last September, as you said, my book Bare Minimum Dinners came out. Oh, amazing. And I wanted to ask for the baby-led feeding versus baby led weaning. Is there a reason why you chose the word feeding? 
support? Yes. Is that just more? Yeah, because I like that you chose the word feeding. I don't know. I want to talk about that, but was that strategic in any way? Absolutely. Such a yes. good question. So first of all, in this country, weaning means a little something different than it does in the UK. And this mm-hmm. baby-led weaning term really came to popularity in the UK and Australia. Here, it usually means like weaning off of breast milk, right? Or, you know, weaning off of nursing. But when we're talking about baby-led weaning, it means starting solids. And so I thought like baby-led feeding both makes it clearer, but also that's what we're talking about here. It's about baby-led, like there. So it's whether you are doing finger foods or whether Mm -hmm. you are doing purees here and there. It's about your baby taking the lead. And um, the feeding part, I think, just makes it clearer and more accessible. Yes. Yes, I totally agree with that. And that's why I think maybe I gravitated towards that book because I did a mix of purees and baby-led weaning, but I wasn't a traditional baby-led weaner because I did purees, right? Like we did spoon-fed, mom-directed, like, you know, caregiver-directed where it was on in our hand. And I just felt like it was more of a blend of some recipes that were puree recipes and, you know, obviously promoting the baby-led feeding or self-feeding component that I talk about too. Like in that book, if you all are not familiar with it, um, she has also how to cut the vegetables and steam them for safety, which I think is super valuable. And then in bare minimum dinners, not so much of the baby led feeding, but like I said, it's like, it's such a great book because now that Ryan eats like a, you know, two and a half year old, I'm able to make all these amazing recipes. Just a few days ago, I made the zucchini pancakes, by the way, from your bare minimum dinners and they were a huge hit. Um, So thank you. I really, again, (laughs) I'm such a fan because I just feel like Cookbooks, there's so many out there, but when you can really get a good cookbook, especially for that infant feeding um, time, and then also food that's great for the entire family, it's really makes our life simple. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Like how can parents approach baby led weaning in a simplified way and actually enjoy it? Because I feel like there's just so much stress around mealtimes, especially when parents are starting out, that it actually takes away the joy of mealtimes, which can inadvertently cause mealtime struggles. So this is actually really an important concept to me and why I wanted you on the podcast today. You know, I think that those are all such good points you made. And I just want to go back to something you said there about how you did some purees and some finger foods. And I think that I call that the mixed approach, this idea that, you know, you can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. To me, that is one of the biggest ways to simplify starting solids. And that approach, I think, I feel like, so let me just back up a little bit. I feel like on Facebook, maybe even on Instagram, but Facebook seems to be worse. There are so many moms out there who have these rules about starting Mm -hmm. solids that are really not based in anything scientific. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of baby led weaning rules that are like, well, you can never let a puree pass your child's lips. If you do that, then it's not baby led weaning and you have to just like go back to breast milk or formula and start all over. Like that is not true. Or this idea that if you also feed purees, your baby is more likely to choke when they try a finger food. Also not true. So to me, one of the biggest ways of reducing this stress of starting solids is by saying, that you can do it either way or do it both ways together. You do not have to do just baby led weaning to be a good parent. 
Yes. Oh, and that's again, why I'm just resonating and loving this conversation already when we're only just a few minutes in. It's just, uh, it's so important to squash that culture. And yes, there is so much coming out about self-feeding baby led weaning, but I think there is also a culture online. Like you mentioned that people feel like, well, if I want to have puree touch my baby's lips, then I've now sent them down a path of they're going to have picky eating. That's not how it works. It's how we approach mealtimes in general, whether you are puree feeding or baby led weaning that matters way more to a child's eating habits and, you know, all this stuff. And I see picky eaters in both, right? I think marketing baby led weaning is like, oh, if you baby led wean, your child won't be picky, I think is false advertising because we absolutely see picky eaters in both methods. Um, This comes down to the concept of allowing self-control, whether we are putting a spoon in their mouth or whether you are allowing your baby to feed themselves. The difficult reality is, is that when you are spoon feeding, you're more likely to set the pace versus allowing the baby to swallow and then show indications that they're ready for another spoon. But both principles, everyone, can lead to a child who enjoys food, enjoy meals time. But the kicker here is that Jenna's going to get into is that we also have to enjoy and simplify mealtimes too. Like if we're coming into it as like, this is stressful and oh my gosh, like I have to think about this and that or the other they're going to sense that energy and they're not going to love mealtimes either. And my goal is to make mealtimes not stressful for families because I love mealtimes. Like I think it should be enjoyable, but I understand that so many listening probably find it very stressful, um, especially starting out. Or maybe you have a toddler who you find it stressful with too, you know? Absolutely. And I think that your point there about, you know, spoon feeding and how that can still be baby led is really important, you know, and like, it's really about feeding responsively. Like mm-hmm. that's the technical term, but like following your baby's cues there. Like if they close their mouth and turn away, you know, don't make the little airplane <laughs> to get more yes. food into their mouth. Yes. Like, you know, really it requires more attention and connection with your baby, really getting to know them, their facial expressions, which I think is really cool. Actually, you know, just having to pay that much attention and just, you know, pick up on their smallest signals, I think is really one of the special things about parenting and feeding. Oh, I agree. And, you know, I know you've written the book about baby led feeding. What do you think the biggest mistake a parent makes when approaching meal prep, maybe, and baby led feeding? Like, how would you, you have a platform here, how would you want parents to simplify this process? Good question. Okay. So I think there are a couple of mistakes. So we'll talk first about simplifying, but then, you know, we can also talk about like some things that I see out there that maybe aren't so safe for your baby. Mm -hmm. So love it. But in terms of simplifying, I am all about, you know, making a little bit extra of things, using the freezer, defrosting things can stay in your fridge for a few days. Like it's okay. You don't have to make something different for breakfast seven days a week for your baby. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we all, yes, variety is great. And this is a time when your baby is more open to new flavors than possibly he or she will ever be again. But, you know, you have to make things easy on yourself too. So I would say, first of all, don't expect that you have to live up to this ideal of variety every single meal, every single day. Yeah. Leftovers are there for a reason use them. Um, And then secondly, single ingredient finger foods are also wonderful. And there are lots that you don't have to cook like avocado and berries, hard boiled eggs. You do have to cook, but so simple, so nutritious. Making a scrambled egg 
you know, that's going to take you 45 seconds. And wow, your baby is getting such excellent nutrition there. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Absolutely. These are all already great tips. And like I said, in your books, you always talk about ways to kind of make things simple, especially in that baby led feeding book. Um, What else did you say? You were saying like, obviously this, but there was other strategies as well. Yes. So the other thing is, you know, one of the beautiful things about baby led feeding is that you can bring the baby to the family table earlier. So it's important that the foods that you serve are a safe shape, um, safe texture, but the goal is to just be making one meal for everyone. And that's why in baby led feeding and then also in real baby food, there's a whole chapter of family meals. So after like the first month Mm -hmm. or so of your baby starting solids, you can just be making the same thing for everyone. Um, Just being conscious of like sodium and texture and shape. Yeah. And I think that's, I think why it can be stressful for parents when they're being told, Hey, feed your baby what you're eating. But then the safety thing obviously is a huge reality. Obviously, although we do agree that you can feed your baby what you eat, there are some stuff that you can't such as like whole nuts and the globs of peanut butter, things like that. But yes, simplifying the food prep and not having to make many meals for everybody is the goal. I mean, that is what the goal is for even life after infancy and childhood is that you're not making, you know, the short order cook, like you're not making five different meals for everybody in your home is the goal. And that can start from the moment you start solids that you're saying, Hey, we're going to do this. And, you know, like you said, single ingredient vegetables, like if you're making something and there's a carrot, you can make the carrot as a baby led weaning style. Um, And so it's the same thing you're eating, but maybe you're eating it as more of a hard carrot or something, you know, like there's just different ways to make it 
simplified, but also be what you're eating in a way too. Yes. I think that exactly what you just said, you know, if your baby can't eat exactly what it is you're eating, depending on what it is you're cooking, pull out some of that, like the carrots or the vegetables, you know, um, even the chicken, like shred the chicken for, you know, after it's cooked, you shred it and then you could add the sauce to yours. Although your baby would probably appreciate the sauce too. But, um, but I think that as much as possible that you can just make one meal for the whole family that will save you stress in the kitchen. And of course you've written, you know, these few cookbooks, obviously five or so, but what would be like your biggest hack with meal prep? You said that obviously freezing things, but what has really helped you as a mom save time in the kitchen with all the recipes that you do? The number one thing, and it sounds so basic is I prep, not cook, but wash Mm -hmm. and cut vegetables ahead of time. Because I find, like, I really try to serve a vegetable with every meal. That's, you know, I just feel like that's what makes dinner. You got to have a vegetable. Um, Even though it's not a real rule, but it's one of my family rules is there needs to be a vegetable. And I find that when I'm cooking dinner, I'm coming home from work, I'm tired and we're in a rush, that the thing that is so easy to leave off is the vegetable. Um, So I find that if I have the broccoli, for example, already washed and chopped in the fridge, it's pretty easy to just put on a sheet pan to roast. Or if, you know, I've got the lettuce already washed, how much time does it take to make a salad? Like 45 seconds. But if I have to like wash the whole head of lettuce right before dinner and then dry it, then that is much less likely to happen. I completely agree with that. I mean, I end up sometimes, you know, utilizing frozen vegetables, but even that, the warming, the thawing process, like, and then you're like trying to make the meal, but you also have to thaw everything out and cook the vegetables and pre-cook them, if you will. Like, it's a lot of extra time, like you're saying, that could have been saved. I love that idea. And I think also I am not a meal prepper, but if anyone is amazing, go for it. I'm not someone who's like spending a few hours on a Sunday, like making the meals for the week. But I am a meal planner. And I find that Mm. that really helps me a lot. You know, so I will, like on Friday or Saturday, I'll sit down and think maybe four nights, what am I going to make four nights a week? So it doesn't have to be seven. Um, What am I going to make four nights, then I can make the grocery list. And then I know when I'm ready to cook dinner those nights that I've got the food, I already have the plan. It just makes things much more seamless. If I open the fridge at 545, I'm like, what am I going to cook? Like I can do it, but it takes too much brain power at that point. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And I relate to that so much because I think for a long time, I was also trying to do meal prepping and not the planning. And I later realized that the planning is actually what works better for me that, Hey, this is what I'm going to plan out. This night will be takeout night, or this night will do frozen like chicken nuggets. If I don't come up with something else by six o'clock, right? Like I, I plan that in my head so that when that time rolls around, you're not feeling guilty of, Oh, shoot, what am I feeding my child? It's already six o'clock or whatever time, you know, a meal is if you're doing lunch or dinner. And I completely resonate with that because that, that has changed my life too. And something else you said earlier was about the, I think the parental assumption or feeling like we need to serve everything all the time. And that I think just adds so much stress. You know, I think people try to focus on the variety, but one thing I always tell my families is that even as an adult, you don't eat everything. Like, you know, you Mm -hmm. also as an adult probably eat the same four or five things for breakfast or maybe the same one or two things or lunch. You're not eating everything. So I think we hold our child to this expectation that I have to introduce this and this and this day and this day. And 
that stresses parents out. And I'm sure you can agree to that, right? Absolutely. Yes. And a word that you also just said, this word guilt. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Like I know that it's so easy to feel that way, but I also just do not believe in it. (laughs) Yeah. We are all doing the absolute best we can. And that is good enough for your baby. That is great. So yeah, just, we all just need to take a good like 30% of the pressure off of our shoulders when it comes to feeding our kids. You know, I love, of course, I've written these cookbooks. I love homemade meals for kids, but it's not going to happen every night. And that is a thousand percent okay. And I love that you're saying that because I am always on my social media channel trying to remind moms, especially because I I have 98% of my followers are moms. And I'm like, look, everyone can be amazing at their niche, right? So you are really good at cooking. And you also, even at you're great at cooking, also serve ready to eat meals and you're not always in the kitchen. It's important to remember that when you're on social and seeing someone who is great at cooking and you're like, well, they're great at cooking. They are just amazing at everything. Why am I not great uh, at everything? Nope. Like that, that is really <laughs> important for people to hear that even someone who is a world renowned author, you know, part of obviously magazines as food directors also understands that there's balance in life because that's what is survival. And like you said, like taking off that pressure and saying, yeah, I cooked, maybe I didn't. It's okay. Like I'm feeding my child. Not that I'm feeding them X, Y, or Z. I'm feeding them. My goal is variety. My goal is introduction of different things, but I'm not going to hold myself to like a, a standard that it has to be X number or this or that. Um, I'm just going to kind of go with it. And I just feel like we've kind of lost the go with it mentality a little bit. Absolutely. And you know that what you just said is exactly what led me to write bare minimum dinners because, mm-hmm. you know, as like, my life got more busy and my friends' lives got more busy. I realized that we were holding ourselves to these higher standards that just didn't fit into our lives anymore. And in fact, if we just kind of let go of some of our ambition in the kitchen, we would be much happier. Our families would be happier because no one wants a stressed out mom, like, you know, putting the three courses of dinner on the table before she goes and cries. Um, And so, you know, bare minimum, is great. Like I, it can still be delicious. It can still be, you know, healthy-ish, but it just doesn't need to live up to a lot of what we see on social. Well, I love Bare Minimum Dinners, the book, because you organize the book by meals that, you know, for time prep, and then you also organize it by ingredients, correct? Mm, Yes, exactly. Yes. I remember seeing that. Yeah. And I love that. I mentioned to you before we started recording, my mom was visiting and she uh, loved the book. She was like, wow, Mona, this is like such a great cook. And that says a lot because my mom is like a phenomenal cook. Um, so she was like, this is so nice. She's like, it's so organized. And for me, the reason why I appreciate that book, um, obviously we've already talked about why I love baby led feeding, but I love that because of how you organize that. Because sometimes in my brain, I look at recipes online or someone shared on their social And there's so many ingredients. And I'm like, I don't have those spices in my spice rack. I'm not this amazing cook. Like I'm not, I'm very, I will admit (laughs) to everybody that I'm not this amazing cook, but I do know how to follow a recipe and I need those ingredients though. But you really simplify it so that it can help when people are meal planning that, okay, I'm going to make the zucchini pancakes on Thursday. So I got to make sure I I get these things and I don't want to spend too much time in the kitchen on Wednesday. So what's a meal that maybe is a little more quick to whip up that's in bare minimum dinners and the title, although it says bare minimum, like the meals are phenomenal. I mean, you know, it's bare minimum means 
taking the thought process as much out of it and just really enjoying the experience because it is a really great book. So again, thanks for writing that one. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code pedsdoc that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And I think that, you know, another thing that I really came to embrace was like these supermarket shortcuts, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could be anything from, and same when it goes for feeding your baby, you mentioned frozen vegetables before, like, you know, I think frozen spinach, like there is so much you can do with that and how great to not have to like wash a whole boatload of spinach. Um, So frozen spinach, frozen broccoli, frozen cauliflower, you know, even like shortcut sauces, like enchilada sauce, like I try to find the brands that I think have good ingredients and, you know, that I think are delicious. But I used to shy away from those. Like after I got out of culinary school, I was like, well, I'm going to make everything from scratch. Um, (laughs) I've realized, you know what, I don't need to. First of all, I don't have the time. And second of all, they're just such great options out there better than ever before. Yes. Thank you so much for mentioning that, because I think that is also a misconception about frozen vegetables, you know, that they're not as nutritious. And from your experience, obviously, you're saying that it's a great option. Absolutely. Ditto frozen fruit. Um, I've got so many of both of those in my freezer. And also, you know, when we're talking about feeding babies, one of the really important things for finger foods is texture. You know, the food needs to be soft enough to squish between your thumb and forefinger with just gentle yes. pressure in order to be safe. So frozen vegetables, you have do have to defrost them and, you know, heat them up, but they are already cooked. So you're already well on your way to that soft texture. Oh, this is so great. Thank you for adding that one because I just really feel like that is a really, really big misconception. And there's a lot of judgment about frozen vegetables and fruits, like you mentioned. And I'm like, wow, it's a vegetable still. It still has the nutrients. Like, what are you, why are you, and I knew it's fine. But like when you hear, again, 
my followers on social or moms talking with each other. And I'm like, no, no, like, because then what's going to happen? Another concept that we have to really remind ourselves, like to simplify things, then there's going to be way more waste, right? If you have fresh spinach and then you should either freeze it or store it and you don't want things to go bad. What would you say like someone who may be listening and is kind of worried about waste? Like, you know, when they're trying to approach meal planning and, you know, trying to make it where they're utilizing all of their ingredients, do you have any tips on how to minimize waste of produce or meats or anything like that? Absolutely. So first of all, if you don't buy it, it's not going to go to waste. (laughs) So yes, um, yes. I think that this is another place where meal planning really comes into play. Because if you're going to the grocery store, and believe me, I've been there, done that, and you're just winging it, it's so easy to buy more than you need, especially if something's on sale. You're like, wow, look, you know, all this, you know, um, I don't know why I'm using spinach. No one gets that excited about spinach, but all these strawberries. <laughs> I love spinach. I love yeah. spinach. It's okay. <laughs> all these strawberries are on sale. But, you know, just being really realistic about how much your family is going to eat before the food goes bad is really yeah. important. Then two, you know, when we touched on this already, using your freezer. If you did buy all those strawberries and you're like, oh boy, these are, these have got like another hour before they turn to mush. Either you can just put them in a bag and throw them in the freezer, or if you want them to kind of stay separate, not glob up into one big ball, you can freeze them on a parchment paper lined baking sheet. So put them in the freezer that way, then they'll stay separate. This works also for like blueberries and raspberries or banana slices. Then once they're frozen, you can put them into a bag and then you can still be able to take out just one or two or whatever quantity you need. Yeah, these are phenomenal tips. And I, you know, I think one of the biggest things I hear from people who are doing the baby led weaning approach is they're concerned about the amount of waste if their child doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. And I hear that. I mean, I understand that food is valuable and the stuff we're lucky to be able to afford these things. One thing to add is that when you're approaching the meal, also remember everyone that you can start with smaller portions, right? I think what happens also with the feeding with children is that you put like a whole King's platter on their, in front of their face, like start with a little bit, like, you know, Jenna was saying like um, the carrots that are steamed that you can mush between your fingers, but starting out with a couple pieces of carrots, if they eat that, you can always add. And that way you're not wasting stuff that's been kind of mixed around or mushed around in their mouth or anything. And that preserves the food. But I think, you know, people get into that mindset that I have to give everything at once. I'm like, yes, you should present what you're feeding, but you can do a little rice, a little, you know, a little uh, carrot. And then if they eat all of it, add, add, add. And when you start to be more responsive with their feeding, they'll tell you when they're done. I mean, I think parents forget that, yes, if they start pushing away and like over it, but let them lead the show, but you can always add. I think that's a big mistake that people forget. That is such a good point. And I think also then as many kids get choosier, you know, after, you know, like 15 months or so, then, you know, also it won't seem so insurmountable. Like if you're giving your kid a giant... (laughs) A plate of carrots and yes. they might be a little choosier about the carrots. Like just give them one or two. And you know, and maybe they're gonna eat it, maybe they're not gonna eat it, but it makes it seem less intimidating and you don't yes. have as much food waste. The intimidation, yes. And then also it gives you unmet expectations as a parent, right? Because you right. put something out and you expect in your head that that child is going to eat all of it when you can't control how much they are going to intake, nor if they're really that hungry. That's right. Right. It's like us. Like, it's so funny because I'm like, sometimes I want to eat like a steak dinner for dinner and like I want all the fixings. Other days I'm like, I'm just going to have a bowl of cereal. Like, I'm not that hungry. Yeah. So, children are the same. And actually, 
I have a whole thing about food refusal, but children will go through waves of this many times as they grow. And the parents will be like, wow, my kid's not eating. They're a picky eater. I'm like, actually, they're probably just not that hungry. And there's a whole nuance to all of that. But this is these are such great tips, Jenna. Yes. Oh, thank you. I just want to piggyback on one thing you said there. That could be a whole other podcast about picky eating, which I feel like yeah. I've fought and read and written so much about. But, you know, if kids aren't hungry, we shouldn't encourage them to eat, right? Yes. I think especially yes. as they get a little older and they maybe have more snacks and stuff and also their growth slows down. Like they, you know, toddlers don't eat as much, right? They're just yes, not as hungry. Correct. Their bodies don't need it as much. And that is totally okay. And that, that switch can be really hard for parents. Like I remember when Ryan was an infant, he could, I'm giving you an example. He would be able like at 11 months to down two slices of pizza. I'm giving an example. I'm, like, it actually happened. Right. And, and then when he became a toddler, some days I would give him pizza. No mama, not hungry. I'm like, okay. And then my mother-in-law would be there and she's like, Mona, give him something else. And I'm like, mom, he loves pizza. Like if he really wanted the pizza, he would eat the pizza. And then, you know, he wouldn't eat it. So it's so crazy because then you're, if you feel you're seeing your child eat so much and like parents, I get it. Parents love to talk about their children eating so much and look at how much my kid eats. (laughs) But then when it switches, because naturally they're going to go through the phases, Mm -hmm. you're going to be confused and be like, do they not like my food? Do they not, are they not hungry? What's going on? Like, is something wrong? And that leads to that spiral that I don't want anyone to have listening to this. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You put, I think parents put so much judgment on themselves when that happens, but it really is a natural phenomenon. Oh, this was so great. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I think we talked about really great tips on the simplification process and some mistakes we make when um, doing baby led weaning. But is there anything else that you wanted to add um, before we wrap up? I would just say, and what I'm about to say, sometimes this is a tall order, but as much as possible, try to have fun with food, you know, especially when you are just starting out. I mean, I love food more than almost anything. (laughs) in the world. So so this idea of like introducing the whole world of flavors to your child is just like such a special, incredible thing. And, you know, I just really like to encourage parents to come at it from a place of like fun and joy and less about anxiety. You know, my cooking mantra and even kind of my feeding mantra is like, you know, assuming everything's safe is like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So let's just remember that and then just enjoy it. Yes. Just enjoy it is my closing statement too. And I get it. It's so hard sometimes to just enjoy it. I've been there with the food refusal, but really what Jenna said, like it is just, it can be this simplified, enjoyable process, but I think we overthink it sometimes. Um, And you know how I like to end these episodes, Jenna, is just a random kind of question just to kind of get to know you a little bit and our audience can get to know you. So you are a mom. So tell me your biggest parenting fail and your biggest parenting victory things in your, you know, I know you have a child who's 16 years. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So I'm sure there's 16 (laughs) years to to share, but something, let's start with the fail first, but then I also like to um, end it with like a victory, like something that you're really proud of that you've done as a parent. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm going to switch it around because I have to think, I mean, trust me, there are plenty of places I failed. It's not going to be that amazing. But I will say, I don't even know if this is actually victory. Maybe this is a failure, but I love that my kid sometimes takes pictures of their food <laughs> because I <laughs> take pictures of my food all the time, so of course. Funny. But I just, I don't know. There's something I find that's so touching about it to me. I'm like, oh, they've watched me doing this, you know, and food is an important part of our lives. And sometimes so 
they'll cook something, you know, go in the kitchen, make themselves like they like to use spices and onions. And, you know, so they'll make themselves like a, you know, souped up macaroni and cheese or whatever, and then take a picture of it. And it just like makes my heart filled with pride. I don't think they actually do anything with that picture, but it just, I'm like, oh, they're proud of what they cooked. That Um, is so sweet. I love that. I do love that. Oh my, okay. Here is an actual fail. This is something I regret. When we live in New York City and I feel like we're always in a hurry. And mm-hmm. when we like take the subway to preschool, I was always saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry mm-hmm. up. And I look back on that and I'm like, oh, you know, why was I in such a hurry? Like, let, let the poor kid just walk a little slower. <laughs> you know, I do wish that I had just been a little more relaxed about getting from here to there. Let's stop and smell the flowers a little bit. So that is something that I wish I had done differently. Not to you end know, on I a negative love, note. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say it's not negative. That's why I love these questions because it actually, from the fail, and I shouldn't really use the word fail, but from that, you we, you just taught us such an important thing. Like you're teaching a new generation of parents to just kind of slow down. And that is why I love that you ended with that. So I've, you know, talked to other guests the same, I've asked the same question. I'm like, well, through the fail, we're learning something, right? You either learn something or that we're learning something from your experience. And I love being able to ask parents from different parts of their journey, whether you have a, you know, one child, an older child, you're just a new mom. It's just so nice. So thank you so much for that. This was a whole topic and conversation on baby led weaning, but we got some, a parenting tip about slowing it down, which I just love. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I hope that was helpful. Um, And this has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much. Really? An honor. I, again, just like I said, I love your books. Um, You have five of them, but I personally own the baby led feeding and bare minimum dinners. And I know I have to get the other three now. Where can people find you? Um, Where can they buy your books? Um, And anything else you wanted to share with everyone listening today? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm at real baby food, R-E-A-L baby food. My website and blog is jennahelwig.com. You can check out my books there or they're all on Amazon, of course. Thank you so much. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. And once again, Jenna, thank you for joining me today. This was such an honor. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.